welcome in to the Cover 5 podcast. I am your host, Jordan Vanek. You can find me over on X at Jordan Vanek DFS. As always, I'm joined by my co-host at HiloFF over on the Twitter. Hilo, you had your your, your sweat of the year so far uh, with uh, this past weekend, getting that DAC stack in there. How did, how did that one feel? How did you uh, like last weekend slate, and how are you liking this one? I felt like... Um probably better than I felt on any given slate. Um, just from a, like, actually, like, I really got into the weeds last week about, like, where's the field going and how can I maximize my leverage against that? And mm-hmm. seeing, like, the field, like, 50% of the field was ex- expected to be on either and or, I guess, Tony Pollard and Dallas defense. Um based on like how that team had run their offense, um, the very clear in a way way to take away points from those two entities was DAC doubles. So I was really excited with that. Um, I missed on Brandon cooks. I went with the high red zone target rate of Jake Fergie yeah. instead. Um, and he even scored too. It's just the tight ends last week. Were yeah. Bonkers. There were a lot of scores. And that was another thing is I, I felt okay. One of my mistakes last week was I felt okay with TJ Hawkinson. I felt okay with Trey McBride, but I didn't want to go into a player where I felt okay at high ownership. I did not get to in my process, the theoretical leverage that would have been present by playing both of them on a roster uh, and, or like, uh, like, I don't know, like one of the, any other number of tight ends that went off. I didn't get that far in last week, but I was really happy. I played two rosters in the 555 milli. One was a Brock Purdy double. One was a uh, Dak Prescott double. So I was really happy with being able to see those two spots. You know, those were two of the high scoring teams on the slate. Uh, seeing those two spots as as upside spots there. No, that's that was two great calls. I think the best call that I had of the weekend was getting to uh, Jaden Reed over. Trenton Irwin, I guess, but it, it didn't give me that much of a boost. It's just Jane Reed uh, at a four for 80 and a touchdown. And then this Thursday night game between the Ravens Bengals, I was uh, on Odell Beckham. He helped me win some bets over at the Hard Rock uh, Sportsbook app that is now available in Florida, nice. which is fantastic. Um, but let's get into this weekend slate. Let's get into the games that we will be talking about. We're going to be talking about five of them from a DFS perspective and then giving you guys our favorite values as well as our slate breaker of the weekend. Hilo, I'll kick it to you for that first game. You pick the Chargers and Packers. Please tell me we are not stacking Jordan Love this weekend. No. <laughs> <laughs> because I, when you put that in, I was like, for the love of God, I, I know you're a Packers fan. I, I know that's in your blood, but no, we are not. We are not doing that. So tell us, tell us how no. you're treating this game and why you have interest in it. Yeah, first of all, sorry for coughing into the mic there. I'm trying really hard. Uh, this is my third podcast today, and I'm doing it like being really, really sick. So trying to make it through. Anyway, I digress. Um, no, the Chargers are like beyond ultra concentrated right now. Um, 53% of the total opportunities available for the Chargers offense in week 10 went through Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. Now you get this matchup with a Packers defense that is like hyper conservative. They are hyper prevent. They try and keep everything in front of them. That just like breeds volume to pass catching running backs and to slot wide receivers. Uh, Keenan Allen's playing like 
more perimeter snaps than he has throughout any other time in his career, but he's still in the slot at 66% rate. Um, they have Jalen Guyton, Quinton Johnston, who are either have never kind of been able to command targets in an offense. Jalen Guyton is speedy ish. He can work downfield. He can elongate a defense, which is what the only thing we really need out of him in this spot. Um, and Quinn Johnson is just not being utilized to maximize his talents right now. So that kind of just leaves everything. I mean, and Gerald Everett is showing his age. He's been on the injury report all week. He I, think he really out. I think he ruled out, out recent. Yeah. Okay. So on that note, Donald Parham <laughs> does not do the tight end shit that you're asked to do as a tight end in the NFL level. Uh, right. He's very tall and he's very good at body control. So he, that's why he's an elite red zone weapon but they're not going to play him between the 20s. So it's like, you can't play Parham, you can't play Jalen Guy, and you can't play um, Quinton Johnston. Uh, and you they're probably going to play Stone Smart over Donald Parham between the 20s because he does the tight end shit right. Um, but he's not going to, he's probably going to be a zero in the red zone. So it's like, you can't play Stone Smart either. So it's like, we could, for the remainder of the season, we could see 50 to 60% of the opportunities on a weekly basis go to, Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen that could jump to like 60, 70% in some weeks, just based on game flow, matchup, whatever. Um, so those two bring a really solid floor to the table this week. Uh, and Austin Eckler in particular brings an elite ceiling. I mean, he has had a run of like absolutely atrocious matchups on the ground. So like while he's averaging like a 3.4, 3.5 yards per carry, something really, really low. I mean, look at his, Last two seasons, he averaged 4.5 and 4.4 yards per carry. So a full yard below his averages over the last two seasons. But I think I attribute that most to the matchup. And I think now against a Packers defense that is like, okay, but they're giving up a ton of explosive play rates on the ground. I mean, look what Jalen Warren and Najee Harris even got going last week. Come on, man. Um, but yeah, like there is opportunity for Austin Eckler, who has seen seven or more targets in three consecutive games to hit double digit targets and return like a legitimate, like hundred hundred game uh, in this spot that is on the table. And I don't think anybody else on the slate has that type of ceiling. And the fact that he's priced at 8,300 is going to be very, very difficult for people to get to on the slate. Cause there's not a lot of projectable value. So all that kind of comes together. Like Austin Eckler is one of my favorite plays on the slate. I think you can play him alone. I don't think you want to be messing with any Packers um, just because the hyper concentration uh, with Austin Eckler, but you can play him an interesting way is you could also pair him with Keenan Allen. I think um, I'm probably not going there. That's probably right. a small field thing yeah. um, because of the price. Uh, but Austin Eckler is still one of the top plays uh, on the slate. And I don't think I've looked at ownership, but I don't think he's going to be overly owned here. No, I, I agree. I've found Eckler as my favorite running back in the entire slate as well. Um, he's moderate right now. Um, for His price is just like 1400 more than ETN, 1600 yeah. more than Gibbs. Like That's why he's not getting as uh, popular as he probably should be, um, in my opinion, just because, again, you're right. Like He's been in it not efficient this year, but it's been more of the credit of like just the matchups that he's had to go up against. And also he's been dealing yeah. with an ankle injury. So like he's not running at a hundred percent. I think you can, um, it's going to be a weird way to do it, but 
I think you could skinny it with Musgrave out of the on the Packers offense. That would be one of the guys that I have some interest in if you're just trying to get a piece to kind of keep it a little bit competitive. And I mean, we know um, the Chargers like to live at a lot of the two high coverages. And again, we've seen Jordan Love be bad, but it's a tight end position. Chargers linebackers can give up some to tight ends. And I think that Musgrave is a very talented player. Um, as the rookie tight ends have just continued to be great all year. One thing I will say about the uh, the Steelers' run defense, I posted this stat earlier in the week. So they drafted Broderick Jones in the first round. He did not play for a majority of the season. Mm-hmm. When he was out of the lineup, they had 82 rushing attempts, 3.8 yards per carry, 0.99 yards before contact. Since he's entered the lineup, 105 attempts, Five yards per carry, 1.8 yards before contact. I Got started it. watching some film because I was like, I need to. I like this data doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, this guy can't be yeah. that much of a difference. He had two plays against Jeffrey Simmons where he chopped him down and just stayed on him and then just let Jalen Warren go deep and then or run a big play. And then against you guys, he was owning your entire yeah. defense line. I was yeah, like, I watched wow, that game. Okay, that guy, that guy's good. I was like, huh. They had a uh, they had a Georgia defensive ta- or left tackle that they didn't put out there. Now they're playing him at guard, but he's just dominating. I think he might have gotten some snaps at right tackle. Regardless, he's been playing phenomenal. I just wanted to point out the uh, the Steelers' run game has been so much better since he's entered the lineup. <laughs> Something that I've been looking into just a little bit peeking, but I'm not playing yeah. him this weekend with the just the way the Browns are operating. The Browns are just a different matchup for everybody, but. Moving forward, I don't really have much to add besides I like Eckler and Musgrave. And that one, I don't really want to get to Keenan at the price. I feel like I would find the extra salary to get to Tyreek Hill in those situations. Um, Go down. Or down. Yes, there's there's some there's guys. Some guys. There. There's some but, guys. <laughs> <laughs> moving forward to the next game we're going to bring up is the game that I picked. The Chicago Bears are taking on the Detroit Lions. We have the St. Brown brothers going up against each other. Don't worry. we I'm not going to be uh, targeting Equinamius. Sorry, buddy. But uh, this game, you have Justin Fields returning. And he's coming back from a thumb injury that they've held him out for multiple weeks. Obviously, the thumb injury is a little scary. But Justin Fields, I, I don't really need him to throw um against this lions team last year he had 130 rushing yards in both games so he ran for buck 40 the first time and it was like well we're gonna try to stop that and then he ran for another 130 yards off of a shoulder injury against atlanta so it's kind of like they didn't have any answer to him at all last season and then you look at this season some of the quarterbacks that do run have had some runs against them they could not get to Lamar Jackson at all. I think that's a credit to the Ravens uh, offensive line, but also their pass rush just isn't that great. Um, and they're not really good at containing quarterbacks when they do start to scramble around and stuff. Mahomes was scrambling and extending plays just like he normally does. So for me, Justin Fields this weekend is underpriced. Um obviously he's coming off of a thumb injury, but I'm not really too concerned about it. Before Justin Fields got hurt, the way he was producing was like an 8K quarterback. It was someone that was running. And then also just he just kept throwing it to DJ Moore. He learned like, wait a minute. I just have to get this guy the ball. This is good. This is easy. In this matchup against the Lions on the Chicago Bears side, 
You could double him if you want to go the commit DJ Moore out. Darno Mooney is extremely cheap at 3,300 as someone that can kind of get that deep shot. I think if I target fields in this one, I want the game environment to explode. I want the full-on game stack. So um, on the flip side, the Chicago Bears defense, they're the best run defense in the NFL so far. That was a shocking thing to me to see yeah. from a yards per carry standpoint. They are just not <laughs> letting you run the ball. However, they do give up some cast-catching running backs. They do struggle defending some tight ends, and they seriously struggle defending slot receivers. Gibbs, as a pass-catcher, should be heavily utilized in this game. I don't like how popular he's coming in, but I again, tacking the game environment, he's a fine play as a receiving running back. And the running backs that have had success against this Chicago Bears run defense have been extremely explosive. So... Or not, sorry. I'm thinking of uh, the Raiders later on. But regardless, Gibbs as a pass catcher can get it done here. And then you have Amonra. He's a slot receiver. He's the guy that can obviously have these uh, plays over the middle. He's consistently just getting a ton of targets. Bears won't have an answer for him. There's not many teams in the NFL that do. Um, Sam Laporta as well is another great play in this matchup against the Bears because they struggle against tight ends. I think they've given up the most touchdowns on the entire season to the tight end position. Game environment stacks with them is the way I'm treating this one. How do you feel about this game, Milo? Yeah, I'm kind of in lockstep, man. I mean, from the from the Lions side, it's Amon Ross St. Brown, it's Sam Laporta, it's Jameer Gibbs. Um, and then from the Chicago side, like DJ Moore had went over 100 yards in three of the first five games with a fully healthy Justin Fields and obviously has fallen off after that with Tyson Bajant. But um, yeah, that's a fairly significant hit rate there for Mr. Moore. Um, is he likely to do that in this spot? I don't know. But if there is a game environment eruption, it's he's probably going to be involved. So yeah, I would look less to singular one-offs or I'd look less to even skinny stacks as much as I'd be more interested in, in game environment bets in this one. Yeah, because also, feel, I mean, the running back situation in Chicago is really murky. If Cleo Herbert returning, you have Foreman, I believe that's questionable. And then what's yeah. Roshan's role in this? Like, I think they could be a true three-way committee there uh, this upcoming weekend. And again, that's still poised as well for Fields, who is a really good runner and can easily be getting it done on the ground. But that is the Bear or Lions-Bears game. That's an exciting one that on the weekend, which is one of the highest over-unders. It's kind of a gross right? when you say yeah. that out loud. But let's move forward to the next game. You're going to talk so highly of my Carolina Panthers. They are taking on the Dallas Cowboys. They're huge underdogs in this one, and that gives Dallas one of the highest implied totals on the slate. Hilo, what do you like about this one? Last week you played the Dak side and you faded Pollard in the defense. Are you are you doing the same this time? This is a very, very interesting game. Um I want to approach this very, very delicately because the very clear in a way top avenue of attack for the Dallas Cowboys is on the ground versus a very, very zone heavy defense versus a very, very prevent defense. Um, everything is aligning for Tony Pollard here. I'm very interested to see, actually, I'm going to check it while I speak here, what his expected ownership is on the slate. I'm um, around 16% to 18%. Okay, moderate ownership. Um, hold on, I want to see what CD is then. Six, shit. CD's low. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, so... <laughs> 
this is one of those spots where Ugh. everything aligns for Tony Pollard, um, but there's still some significant levels of ambiguity or not ambiguity, but uncertainty with how the Cowboys are going to be attacking the spot. Do they continue to lead into the pass? And I don't know the answer, but this is one of those situations for me where we expect the Cowboys to find success. And with the added uncertainties that are in this offense, as far as how they're likely to attack this spot, I think we have to be looking to ownership. So seeing that ownership for the first time right now, uh, I'm much more inclined to want to bet on the Dallas pass offense again. Um, but it's very clear that Tony Pollard is in a great spot. That said, are there the, the second stage of like working through that, that problem, not problem, but that situation is, are there avenues to failure that like from the team overall? And the answer is probably no here. Cowboys are probably going to put up points. So because, and this go, kind of goes into the macro state of this slate because median scoring is down in this slate compared to the previous two weeks where we kind of, we need, we knew we needed a higher score to ship GPPs. I mean, two weeks ago, it was the Houston overstack that scored 250 something points shipped majors last weekend. It was uh, the Dallas stack that, you know, put up what 240 high two forties that shipped majors this week. We're likely to dip back into the low to mid 230s. If that's the case, there are very few opportunities to score raw points. Not very few. There are fewer opportunities to score raw points. And if that's the case, these places where we expect an offense to succeed, San Francisco being another one, and we're going to talk about that here shortly. Um, mm. These places where we expect the offense to succeed gain increased importance on a slate like that. So that's kind of how I think about that situation. And it, it, there's like multiple layers to that thought process. We expect this offense to succeed. Is there a path to failure from the offense as a whole? Less likely. Now, how do I best position myself against the field? And it's looking again like it's going to be Dak with some pass catchers. Um, against this heavy zone defense of the Carolina Panthers, the downfield guys like Michael Gallup and Brandon Cooks kind of lose a little bit of luster. So primarily interested with Dak plus CD plus Jake Ferguson. Again, back to the well here, um, hoping at some point, dear God, with a 30% red zone target rate that Ferguson is able to score twice. That'd be great. Just do it for me, kid, because I keep playing you. Um, and then coming back is very interesting because the Dallas Cowboys are in or man coverage at the second highest rate in the league, around 30% that ebbs and flows per the game. Uh, Adam Thielen has a 33.3% targets per route run rate against man coverage this season. This is a difficult individual matchup, but when you get a guy seeing that level of uh, target rate against a single, <coughs> sorry, a singular coverage, it's meaningful, particularly on a slate like this. The second layer to that is Frank Reich is taking back offensive play calling duties for the Panthers this week. Why is that important? Adam Thielen scored 30 plus DK points in three of six games with Frank Reich calling the shots with Mr. Whatever Thomas. What's his name, dude? You're, you know, offensive coordinator guy. Um, Sorry, Thomas Brown. Thomas Brown. Yeah. 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 
with Thomas Brown calling plays for three games, Adam Thielen peaked at 15.2 DK points. So there is everything kind of aligns for Thielen. And I don't think that people are going to Dax Dax plus Thielen or even Tony Pollard plus Thielen because of the salary that it takes and the uncertainty. So it's a very, very interesting game. It's one of the ones that I'm most interested in this week um, because we have kind of like fewer paths to failure and concentration on each side, which is something that we're looking for when we're talking about game stacks. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see the Cowboys offense failing against us. Um, I think it's big news that J.C. Horn can possibly play in this matchup. Uh, that, that's going to be someone that was the scheme was supposed to be built around. That's someone that allows, you know, number one corner against number one receiver. But there's a, there's a stat that I found on the Panthers this this year. Um, we've targeted route seven to nine, your corner post vertical, on eleven. 0.5% of our total targets. Since 2018, only the 2020 Patriots and 2022 New York Giants targeted these routes at a lesser total. We are not throwing the ball downfield. We are throwing yeah. it quick. We are kind of just, it, it's just coming at. Cowboys are going to tee off on that. Um, I, it, it's a scary one for me as a as a fan of Bryce and just knowing like he's a quick processor. He tries to make these quick throws. They can jump these routes um, in a hurry. I do think Adam Thielen's the only receiver of interest because there's just we're not throwing it down the field and the other guys aren't showing anything that you you know you love. Um, Adam Thielen's going to carry a ton of targets and he's pro he's he's not going to get played this weekend because of recency bias um i do think that frank reich taking over play calling is going to allow him to get more looks but he's been the first read he's been the main read every every single drop back it's just a it, it's an offense i think the only pathway for this game to be failed is just because of how slow the carolina panthers play and there's a chance we can kind of take away some of the total plays that the Cowboys have run because the Cowboys have been running 65 to 70 plays um, in like pretty much every game except for that 49ers one. But overall, like I think I'm going to lean in the Pollard. Um, obviously, again, I, I do love Eckler. I'm going to try to get to him and possibly Pollard together. But the value on the slate is kind of it, it's a weird it's a weird slate for value. But we're obviously just heading into the weekend of we're going to figure out some of these guys are going to pop up in the injury report. Some of these guys are going to get ruled out and that's where it's going to spike and kind of jump. Um, there's a tight end or Pat Farmer is 2,500 this weekend. I have no idea why DraftKings priced him down. I, I hate it because I just don't understand what they're, uh, what they're trying to accomplish by taking players and moving their price down. They should just leave them at the price that they're projected to be listed. And if there's 3,500 first week off injury, people might not play them. But why why are we gonna make a Pat Fryermuth a twenty five hundred minimum? But it's besides the fact, I'm again Pollard is my favorite play here. I'm not a fan of CD in this matchup just because of JC Horn possibly returning. But if Horn does not give it a go, then obviously CD Lamb pops up. It's just gonna be difficult at that ninety two hundred price tag this weekend. Um, but again, he's not gonna be played, and he's been on an absolute tear of late because the Cowboys are finally using him the right way. They're moving him around in formation. They're playing him in the slot. They're playing him out wide. They're getting him in advantageous matchups for him to just kind of take advantage and stride the defense. Do you have anything else you'd like to add there? 
Yeah, while they might get um, J.C. Horn back, they're most likely going to be without C.J. Henderson, right? He's concussed. Yeah, but that's not. Yes, whatever. It's it. C.J. Hand. I would rather like if C.J. Henderson were playing, Michael Gallup becomes more intriguing because yes, we are zone heavy, but C.J. Henderson on just defending the deep third is. If you remember the Mike Evans game with Brady last year, yeah, every single one of those throws was to C.J. Anderson. Yeah, yeah, I remember. It was. I know you remember. I remember every (laughs) touchdown. Those touchdowns hurt. Yeah, and that that slate actually won a decent amount because of um, Brandon Ayuk. But that's besides the fact. Speaking of actually Brandon Ayuk and Mike Evans, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are traveling to uh, are taking on the San Francisco 49ers. You have a lot of trash talk between Baker Mayfield and Bosa throughout this weekend because of their college days where uh, Baker was planting the flag in Ohio State with our yeah. Oklahoma flag in Ohio State. And Bosa did not take kindly of that. So there's <laughs> be a little bad blood there. And I'll start with this. Allowing the 49ers to get Chase Young was unfair. Oh, yeah. That game, the Jaguars had zero chance. The entire time I watched a ton of that Jaguars game and Chase Young looks great. He looks like he fits. And it also allowed that bye week and everything that kind of happened pre bye week to now with this uh, 49ers group. Steve Wilkes got back to the roots. We're going to play cover three. We're going to play cover four. We're not going to blitz. We're going to allow our four pass rushers to get there. That is going to spark them to be a whole different team as we go on through the rest of the season. So on the Tampa Bay side of things, I do not have interest in Rashad White. I do not have interest in Mike Evans, who just had a phenomenal performance against the Tennessee Titans. I have a lot of interest in Chris Godwin if I choose to run it back. Chris Godwin is someone that I think is going to have a high reception total. He's just going to get these quicker targets. He's going to be keep it simple offense pretty much. With the 49ers offense, Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Vita Vea, they're going to stop the run. They're going to sell out of McCaffrey. That's how they've operated. And just two weeks ago, we saw a 49er system play this Tampa Bay defense. And CJ Stroud threw for the most yards, I think, ever as a rookie. And now we're going to see the Kyle Shanahan version of this offense with, yes, he is a way better running back than Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey can still perform in this matchup. But you have George Kittle that's getting a ton of love now in this offense. That's like, hey, we're going to throw the ball to you. You have Brandon Ayuk, who has been a cover three killer all season long in this Tampa Bay squad. They run cover three at very high rates. You have Debo Samuel, who's in his second week back of injury that look like the Debo Samuel of old. And they also blitz at high rates. For me, Purdy, this is a game for him to have the 300 yards, the just he's controlling the game and throwing the ball with ease, getting it to his playmakers, allowing these yards after catch situations, just like Houston did. I'm double stacking him with two of the three with Ayuk, Debo, and Kittle. My preferences are to Ayuk and Kittle uh, just because of their rates of cover three. And Debo hasn't really been used against cover three at all this year. Um, It's been all Ayuk and Kittle. And Kittle has been the favorite against the Blitz. But again, 
not sleeping on Debo Samuel in this matchup. I watched how these guys were running wide open in that Houston Tampa Bay game. And if Debo Samuel's running with that type of uh, room and separation, him catching a drag route, he could go 60, he could go 70. Like the big plays are going to be there for this 49ers passing attack. I don't think they're going to be there for the running or rushing attack. And if you're Tampa Bay, I think you live and die with Brock Purdy beating you. You do not want Christian McCaffrey to just have freedom to run. So I'm going to be double stacking Purdy. Um, if I run it back, it'll be a lot of Godwin. I'm not going to be full game stacking this. And I have some consideration to even possibly play um, the three pass catchers with the 49ers. If you really want to get different on the field and you find your way to the salary that allows you to do that. Obviously, it's a hard one to pay off. But again, we saw Stroud throw for 400 yards against this team. Brock Purdy can also kind of put up that performance if he's called upon. And uh, we shall see if that happens. Hilo, how do you feel about this one? Yeah, <clears throat> love Purdy, love Ayuk, uh, love Kittle. A little bit less in love with Debo, a little bit less in love with Christian McCaffrey based on the price and the matchup. Uh, pretty much in lockstep. I will be playing Purdy singles, Purdy doubles. Uh, or considering, I guess. I haven't worked out if I'm going MME this yeah. week or not. Um, <clears throat> Brock Purdy singles with Ayuk primarily. Um, and I think we've seen George Kittle uh, the past two weeks put up some pretty significant tight end performances. And that aligns perfectly with the return of Trent Williams. Um, so he's able to get out and run some more upside routes instead of playing high rates in line he's able to be utilized as the motion man instead of like starting in the slot and his motion is too in line um and debo all of that kind of revolves around debo samuel and trent williams being back in the lineup uh debo is the motion man he is the guy that opens things up for this offense he is the queen chess piece moved around um obviously we just talked about trent williams and for me, what that does the most with those two guys being back is opens up Ayuk and, and George Kittle in the spot. Um, there's some very interesting ways to play that. You can, if you play a Brock Purdy double, like with Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, you can play Tank Dell with Trey McBride. You can play, ownership doesn't matter anymore at that point. Um, yep. So it's it becomes very fun and interesting to play around with. Yeah, no, I'm seeing, I mean, again, Brandon Ayuk is just is not getting a lot of love this weekend. Um, it seems like people want to play Puka over him. And yes, Puka is probably going to get the decent amount of targets and performance matchup. I'm terrified of the injury that Stafford has because of the fact that they signed uh, Carson Wentz. It's a little different there. Um, but that's kind of the only other thing I'd kind of mention. Any, any love for the Tampa Bay side or you just don't even feel like you need to run it back at all because again i think godwin's the only one that i have interest in um he's a bit pricey but again i think he's just going to get peppered with targets because baker's not going to want bosa to sack him he's just gonna be like no you get the ball like i am yeah. throwing it as quick as possible to i am not trying to hold on to the ball and i mean worse will hold his on his side of the field so whatever yeah. chase young and uh bosa will do hopefully they're not meeting at the quarterback but moving forward to the what i consider a chalk game of the week um Definitely based off of the projections that I'm seeing, the Arizona Cardinals and Houston Texans square off. And you have two teams that made a huge trade during the draft that allowed Will Anderson to end up in uh, Houston. And obviously they moved back and they have their first round pick. So Cardinals just got Kyler Murray back. Kyler Murray has 
looked or the one game we've seen of him, he looked rusty, rusty as a passer, which makes sense. They weren't even giving him first team reps like two weeks ago. They were making him play with a backup. So it kind of under it was understandable that he wasn't up to speed with everybody. But his ankle or his knee, his legs, they look like Kyler Murray. The speed was there. The um, rushing ability was there. And now he takes on a Houston defense that they haven't really faced this dynamic of a quarterback uh, since week one with Lamar. And in that game, it was just like they were uh, the Ravens were dominating from start to finish. Houston's defense has plenty of injuries on their side of the ball. I don't know if Denzel Perryman is playing in this game because of the suspension or not. I don't know if it was because he appealed it that he gets to move it back or not. But I know Henry Tuatoa is not active in this one. There's plenty of injuries to be monitoring, and there's plenty of value from both of these teams because a lot of their full-time players are sub-4K. You have Michael Wilson and Rondell Moore that played pretty much every snap uh, this past weekend. 3,400, 3,300. You have Houston, who has Noah Brown out. They got back Nico Collins. And you have Robert Woods, I believe, at 3,700, who's, again, another full-time player in this spot that's cheap. I have interest in both of these quarterbacks. I think this is a chalk game that I'm terrified to uh, to completely avoid uh, just because of the value that persists in it. And the biggest one, obviously, starts with Devin Singletary, who's the chalk running back on the entire slate. Um, Devin Singletary against the Cardinals run defense is someone that should be in a plus matchup. He obviously got it going against the Bengals. You know Houston wants to be able to have a running or rushing attack. It's just a matter of can they? And you and I have talked extensively about this Arizona defensive scheme and how they like to keep two safeties back, play weird like distances and kind of try to make your quarterback think a little bit longer, try to take away these like in-breaking routes where your receiver starts to get hit. Um, but can they have, do they have the talent to kind of stop this type of scheme that is just it is shredding every defense uh, across the NFL right now, except for the Carolina Panthers. But that's besides the fact, nor here nor there. Just three weeks ago, Stroud lost to Bryce Young. Just just everybody needs to remember that before we simmer down over there. Simmer we, we, down. Need to, we need to throw him in a, the MVP <laughs> conversation. I love it. I love CJ Stroud. I think he's better than Bryce Young to this point. Um, but MVP conversation felt a little outlandish. But that yeah, was a little little silly. I mean, he's just they're they're five and five. Right. You, you just you just don't get to win MVP with that. Um, but anyways, in this game, you have Houston, who's just playing a ton of different coverages because it feels like D'Amico's getting a feel for his team. But in this one, like, I don't know if they got the speed at linebacker to really contain this guy with Kyler. Um, Kyler didn't really get any love to Marquise Brown last week, but this weekend is a different matchup with Derek Stingley and maybe he's able to get him over the top. How are you kind of approaching this one, feeling out the slate? Obviously, there's a ton of um, things we're waiting on. I know Damian Pierce officially is ruled out, so Devin Singletary is going to be huge shock. Noah weekend. Brown, too. And Noah Brown is obviously ruled out. Um, I don't think, I mean, from a wide receiver standpoint, they're just going to play Woods, Collins, and Dell. Yeah. It's like Xavier Hutchinson and uh, John Mechie. They'll get, they'll they'll get, get a, like they'll 15%. Get the, yeah. It's been a weird situation with the Houston. I got a lot to say about this game. <laughs> go, go for it. You, it's, you been a weird, it it's been a weird situation with the Houston Texans this year. I mean, all of um, Noah Brown, 
uh, Nico Collins and Tank Dell, when they have been like when two of those guys have been active, the top two have like not still not played like elite snap rates. And they're still not in a route at elite rates. So you're kind of down to efficiency for many of these guys. The good is they're playing an extremely zone heavy defense and all three of those guys, Nico Collins, Noah Brown and Tank Dell. So Noah Brown is out. Um, all three of those guys rank in the top 30 in fantasy points per route run against zone coverage this season with Tank Dell at 0.43 ranking in the top 18 and Nico Collins at 0.46 ranking in the top 12. Um, all of that is very interesting from an efficiency per route run rate against this Cardinals defense. The question isn't how the question isn't, will the Texans succeed? And it also isn't how will they succeed? It's more so how are they likeliest to generate the most upside per touch? I think that's how we need to be thinking about this Houston Texans team. So while Devin Singletary is coming off a 30 carry 150 yard and a touchdown performance career highs. He has three other games where he has surpassed hundred yards rushing in his entire career. While that is awesome. While we've seen him play 75% of the snaps or more in each of the two games without Damian Pierce, while Laramie Tunzel being back is a very big plus to this run game, because I saw some stuff last week that I had not seen from old Bobby Slowick. Old Bobby over there in Houston. There was a one play in particular where um, Dalton Schultz lined up in line and then dropped two yards behind the line of scrimmage. This was a run play off left tackle. So he lined up on the right side, balanced formation, and off of the right tackle in line. And then he drops to two yards behind the line of scrimmage in this like borderline tight end fullback kind of alignment uh, is how you'd picture it. Then he motions across the formation to the weak side. In the motion, the ball is snapped, and Dalton reverses out of the motion, down blocks the right defensive edge, and Laramie Tunzel kicks, and it was a runoff tackle. It was beautiful. It was awesome. It was one of Devin Singletary's longer carries of the game. In the same sense, so that's, that's all good about the run game. In the same sense, we kind of harped a lot on Bobby Slowick, and we're talking a lot about like his kind of um, Jekyll and Hyde season as far as play calling tendencies went. He started the season with neutral first down rush rate, pass rate. He started the season with awesome layered routes with awesome pre-snap motion. Then he kind of went into a shell the the second uh, month of the season. He had the highest first down rush rate in the league that led to the highest long down and distance rate in the league. CJ Stroud was just awesome and overcame a lot of it. Then two weeks ago, we see them absolutely erupt. They have 19 first down pass attempts. They go bonkers. Last week, they had 23 first down rush attempts versus 12 first down pass attempts. So kind of reversion in how he was calling his offense situationally. The good thing was that Devin Singletary saw 22 of those first down carries and they, those first down carries went for 114 yards. So he was averaging over five yards per carry on those first down carries. And I think a lot of that was due to Laramie Tunzel being healthy. When you have George Fant and Laramie Tunzel as athletic and big uh, tackles that are able to kick, you can do some interesting things. And that kind of aligns with who Devin Singletary is as a rusher. He's not a one read, one cut 
and go type running back like Damian Pierce is. He is more of a vision finesse type running back. So all of that like pre-snap motion and weird concepts in the run game last weekend kind of played directly into like the strengths of Devin Singletary. So that's all the good. The other part about this like spot for the Texans is like you can run on the Cardinals, but you can really pass on the Cardinals. And where the Cardinals are weakest is on the deep perimeter and the deep middle of the field because they have this like this like exploding effect of their defense after the snap. They show you this bunch formation that clogs the middle of the field pre-snap where there's so many guys. There's there's five or six guys not in the box, but in the like beyond the box. So five to 10 yards downfield, there's like five defenders within that range between the hashes, five to 10 yards down the field. That's like unheard of. You don't really see that. That's like not the box. It's like beyond the box in the second level. But from that, they do this like exploding weird pre-snap concept where they all go to their areas of the field and it's heavy zone rates. That's why they've struggled deep. That's why we've seen particularly deep routes that develop across the field give them fits because there's a lot of communication that goes into that and you see they've struggled with all the pre-snap stuff that their their responsibilities are they're they've given up a lot of yards before contact um on the ground and that is because their nose tackle i forgot his name lecky photo Lecky Fotu is one of the worst graded nose tackles in the league this year. So they're going to give up a lot of yards before contact. But the fact that they have like five or six guys in the extended box, like five to 10 yards down the field in the middle of the field has meant that they're like have kind of suppressed yards after contact. So the matchup is like, okay on the ground, but the matchup is pristine through the air. If they can develop and they have been via Bobby Slowick, these like deep crossing routes, the seven to nines that have a component of cross field function. So like the seven and eight route more so than the nine, those routes have really, really given the Cardinals fits. And that's a lot that, that makes up a good chunk of the route trees of both tank Dell and Nico Collins. Both of them have been efficient against zone coverages. Nico Collins obviously has the bigger yak um, yards after catch per reception. Um, which leads to that increased uh, or higher um, fantasy points per route run against zone. But both of these guys are awesome. Tank Dell is really the alpha in this offense. At least he has been over the last six weeks. Uh, I think he's you can play him really easily. On the other side of the matchup, this is important for me to get out there very clearly about the Cardinals. To me, the return of... Kyler Murray, and the fact that they basically said, screw the first overall pick in the 2024 draft last weekend. Like they made their choice where their season is going last weekend when they decided to actually give a damn on the final possession and march the field for a game winning field goal. And me as a, living in Arizona with all my friends talking during the game, we're like, dude, miss choke, miss this field goal. It was like a 23 yarder. Like, what are you doing? Anyway, so all of that, like, the tendencies that they showed us just told me that they're not going to keel over and die for the rest of the year. And that's more important for their opponent than it is for them. Because this is not a team that has a ton of talent still. This is still the Arizona Cardinals that does not have a ton of talent. The two players 
that lead the Arizona Cardinals in fantasy production against zone coverages, which again is important because Houston is in zone at a top five rate. The two players are second year tight end Trey, uh, whatever the hell his name is. Trey McBride. Uh, Trey McBride. Thank you. And rookie wide receiver, Michael Wilson. Marquise Brown has been nails against man coverage, like elite 35% targets per route run rate. He has been poo-poo caca against zone this year. He has not been it. He has not seen it. Whatever the reason, whether it was the quarterback situation or what, he has not been it. So when that's the case, it's kind of this like, I can get access to the upside in this game through the Houston Texans and then not have to worry about the expected ownership on guys like uh, Trey McBride, who is the top pass catcher against zone coverages this season for the Arizona Cardinals um, from routes run rate, from targets per route run, um, from fantasy points per route run through all the like predictive metrics that we look at. He's the guy. So the fact that he is expected to be, I just looked, the highest owned player on the slate is kind of funny to me because there's a ton of uncertainty with the Arizona Cardinals, but he is a strong on paper play. And if I just stack the Houston Texans, like give me some CJ Stroud doubles and then bring it back with Trey McBride. You're not worried about his ownership. Um, I think all that kind of comes into this. Like I want, I'm glad that Kyler's back. I'm glad that they're not keeling over, but I'm glad for their opponent each week. <laughs> That's who I'm going to be playing kind of thing. That makes sense. Yeah, that was my spiel. Just just basically stack Texans and run it back with Trey McBride is what I'm learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do I that. Mean, and not so eloquently as you put it. Hey, I I think you could I think you could go McBride and like a Rondale Moore. I don't know. I, I think you could. Yeah, enjoy that negative A dot and 60% target share or 60% target share. 6 percent snap sure. rate. Hey, <laughs> this is a spot for that. Well, they did. So formationally one thing they did that was different than they've done all year they threw it at like a slot formation on 42 percent of the snaps it's the first time this season that that was over 10 percent. so like they yeah. they're a weird offense to kind of grasp at the moment but yeah no i i think trey mcbride's again he's a strong play i've faded him and he's hurt me the entire year so having him be the highest uh rostered player this weekend is not surprise to me and Let's I'm interested to see what Pat Fryermuth comes in at, man. Like yeah, yeah. Sunday at 2,500. But let's get into the last uh, segment we're going to have where we talk about our favorite value and our slate breaker. Uh, kick it to you, Hilo. Who is your favorite value on the slate? Favorite value on the entire slate is one Brian Robinson Jr., uh, running back, Washington Commanders. Um, we have Antonio Gibson that was ruled out. And with Brian Robinson, he's had a very consistent like two to three targets per game roll through the air. Now with Antonio Gibson, who has played about 45% of the offensive snaps throughout the whole season, but a lot of those coming on empty snaps on early downs, but the clear in a way pass catching option on obvious passing downs. Yeah. If Brian Robinson just gets a little bit of that, like if he just stays on the field for a little bit of the passing work, He's now in the range where a three for 30 receiving yard game or a four for 50 receiving yard game starts to make his path to GPP viability that much clearer and easier. He's priced at only 5,800. And fun fact, 
Brian Robinson is the only running back in the NFL this year to be the overall RB1 twice. That's kind of crazy. Think about that. Shh. Think about that real quick. That's weird. Uh, who That's weird, thought weird. that coming into the season? Yeah, he scored 28.9 fantasy points in uh, week two against Denver. And then obviously last week with the uh, eruption against Seattle through the air, which was great to see as well. So yeah, Brian Robinson is probably the top projectable like point per dollar player on the slate. And I'm interested to see where his ownership is going to settle um, now that AG has been ruled out. Same. I've been paying attention to that. But my favorite value on the slate is someone we talked about earlier. It's DJ Moore at 5,600. Again, he's just going to get peppered with targets. They took their time with Fields in that thumb injury. There was like a report that he could be questionable with the game against uh, Carolina. And then they're like, nope, he's not going to be good enough to play. So they feel I feel like they've kind of handled the injury with like, hey, like we're going to, you know, keep you until you're 100 percent. And now that he's back, like we've seen Detroit Lions uh, coverage wise struggle against some of the top like receivers. Adam Thielen had a 30 point game. Uh, Keenan Allen had like 40 last week. I believe there was another week of um, like Romeo Dobbs had like a 96 yard game against the Detroit Lions. So I think DJ Moore at his price is going to get peppered with targets and uh, be a great value. Um, So that's that. I think the other person I just wanted to mention was Deontay Johnson. Um, I know last week was real bad for the Pittsburgh passing attack. I know that the Cleveland Browns are really, really good at defending everything um but against the primary coverages of cleveland and it's like a cover one with a like it's called a cover one rat um deontay johnson has a 50 percent target per route run that rate this year against that specific look um it's a very very specific coverage that i'm talking about but regardless deontay johnson uh is probably going to get targeted plenty in this game I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball, even though I mentioned that they've been much better against it or with running the football since Broderick came in. I think they're going to be better, hopefully, in play action and targeting Deontay Johnson. But who is your favorite slate breaker this weekend, Hilo? It's Adam Thielen, man. Um, talked about he's he's in an interesting pricing range where. I call it pricing psychology is in play where he's below the elites in pricing and he is above the like mid range. So typically what we see in this like 7,500 to 6K range in player pricing at wide receiver is that those players just in a vacuum get owned less than the elites and then the value players. Um, If you like removed the nameplate and said like player A, like ran a study player a priced at 6k and then looked at his ownership priced at 7100 and then looked at his ownership when he's priced at 8800 he's probably going to be most highly owned at 8800 and at 6k um and fewest ownership in the middle kind of sub elite tier so the fact that he is like Thielen is priced at 7500 and he has very clear paths to seeing like a 14, 15 target game here um, means that on a slate that we're likely going to see fewer players put up 30 plus fantasy points. He has one of the clearer paths to do so this week, I think. Makes sense. I've got the running back. He's returning from injury. There's a lot of uncertainty to him, but 
Devon A. Chan in this matchup. Look, the Raiders, they're 2-0 with this new coach, with Antonio Pierce. He's a great dude. They're playing with a lot of fire and a lot of passion. Great dude. They played the Jets and the Giants. They played Zach Wilson, and they played Tommy DeVito. Now they have to travel to Miami and play the Dolphins, who put up 70 here uh, this year. Feels like they put up 35 every single time they're at home. They've had no problems with some underperforming teams. And just three weeks ago, Jameer Gibbs ran for a buck 70 against them. Yeah. James Cook ran for 140 against them. There's a lot of room to run against this Raiders run defense. It, it has not been good as a whole this season. They've played some, you know, good spots for them to be able to perform when they can just sell out on Zach Wilson. You can't do that with uh braided Tua and this Miami offense. And Devon HN is as explosive as it gets. The dude, if he's a, if he's a hundred percent, I don't care if he gets. 13 touches. I know his price tag is 6,600. He's probably going for 100 yards. I, like, whatever it is, Mike McDaniel knows how to get him in open lane, and he can hit it faster than anybody. There's no preparing for him. I don't think the Raiders can scout the Dolphins. Like, I don't know how you emulate what they do in Miami because they can get their motions across. Like, they can just do so much with him. So, HN is my favorite slate breaker. Highly, do you have anything else you like to add before we close out? No, this well, yeah, this this slate is likely to be lower scoring uh, across the board. So um, the value of raw points is that much more important. I completely agree with that. I think the value of just picking the game that is going to shoot out. Just pick the good players, dude. Just that score points. Just pick, yeah, I was about to say, just pick. I mean, I want to. I'm hoping. I mean, I haven't picked them at all this season. But be sure to check out the top plays and my main slate article as well as Hilo's handling of chalk it's been a it's always interesting to see that one out come out on a saturday and be sure to be talking in that discord ask us any questions feel free to tag me whenever not saying the tag hilo i would never throw that on him, but this me, is bro. the cover five podcast cover five show between jordan vanick on you can find me over on twitter at jordan vanick dfs and hilo ff over on twitter see ya